The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Leach Report for a Monday. A little technical issue here, so it sounds different than what you're used to, but uh, we'll get that fixed shortly. And coming to you today from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio in Lexington, talking about a Kentucky loss out at Fayetteville, Arkansas, to the Razorbacks. And we'll do that with John Clay of the Lexington Herald-Leader and with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Let's get to the uh, Wildcat news of the day. It is the service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. And Kentucky falls 75-73 in Arkansas, a game that Kentucky fell behind 15-2 to to start the game. Uh, then Oscar Shibway got rolling. He had 30-18 and on the day. Uh, Arkansas had big-time trouble defending him, and so Kentucky chipped away at it to get it to within six at halftime, took a four-point lead midway through the second half, but then could not uh, make the key plays down the stretch, and Arkansas wins 75-73. Kentucky had a a couple of uh, tough breaks on calls. Uh, One, the, the one most talked about, was on an inbounds play. They were down one, I believe it was. They were down one, and... Um, running an inbounds play to uh, just get the ball in, and in getting open, Keon Brooks was called for a push-off. About a minute to play in a game, and in a you know a game where you let a, a lot of physicality go both ways, that's a, uh, a tough call to have go against you, so I can understand that feeling. Looking at the replay, uh, you can see the Arkansas player's head snap back, Doubt that it, uh, I think there's probably a little embellishment there, we'll say, but I can see what the official called from, uh, the camera angle that I saw was pretty much the similar view to the official. The call that, um, that nobody talked about that I saw in watching the replay was one a little earlier. Kentucky was up one and uh, Wheeler missed a shot, went in, got his own rebound, kicked it out, made a bad pass, but Washington went to save it, did save it to Kellen Grady. And the call was on the opposite side of the floor from where we were, was for Grady uh, on the sideline. And I thought he had a foot on the sideline when he caught the ball from Ty Ty. Well, on the replay, you can see that he's a step inside the into the court, and he catches the ball, and then he gets bumped from behind onto the sideline, and so they call him out of bounds. Well, you can't make that call. There you you. Uh, and you have to call a foul on Arkansas there because there's an advantage gained through the contact. Now, if it's something where you could just you know let them play on and and just not call anything as long, but Kentucky had saved the ball and the guy gets bumped out of bounds and then you call him out of bounds. Well, that's a tremendous advantage gained. So that was the one that I saw in watching the replay much more so than the than the uh, out of bounds uh, play there with a minute. But there were. Numerous opportunities for Kentucky to have uh, made some 
some of the plays to clinch it defensively. Certainly had some breakdowns, mainly against Note, who had 30. J.D. Note was uh, sensational. And then Jalen Williams late uh, was uh, very much of a hard guard for Kentucky. He had 16 points and 12 boards. Uh, he's been really playing well. Sophomore big man for Arkansas here in the last month. I think Oscar was probably a little tired late, uh, battling as he did against three, uh, one time even four defenders, but certainly about two every time. And he played 39 minutes. I went and looked. It was a season high in minutes. And in the last two games, he had played 77 minutes. So that's the biggest two-game stretch of the season. And he did that from a 9 o'clock Wednesday night game to a 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon game. And then um, your longest two-game stretch of minutes, Oscar had a right to be tired late. And I think um, that uh, was uh, part of the issue for him guarding Williams late. But Oscar was so good on offense that they uh, obviously had to have him in in the game. So we'll talk about all of that with our guests today. It was a crazy Saturday in college basketball with seven of the top ten teams losing, including all of the top six. So uh, really missed opportunity there for Kentucky to uh, make a move up. The U.K. women beat Auburn for their sixth win in a row, 90-62, to and it was senior day for Ryan Howard, biggest crowd of the season. So that was great. And she scored 32. She wore number five instead of her typical number ten in uh, – honoring uh, Terrence Clark and uh, Blair Green, her teammate. And now Kentucky <laughs> excuse me, is the seventh seed and will take on Mississippi State on Thursday at the SEC tournament in Nashville. Uh, U.K. baseball completes the sweep of Western Michigan, 16-5 to win yesterday. And U.K.'s Abby Steiner shattered the U.S. record of the 200 meters at the SEC championships. And softball had a 4-0 week. They're 13-1. They have their home opener coming up on Thursday in the John Crop Classic. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our Wildcat News of the Day segments presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. If you're looking for someplace special to go for a special occasion, no place better than Giuseppe's. Go to Giuseppe'sLexington.com and check out that menu. Things like sea bass with lobster chili butter sauce, scallops cacciatore, Veal Parmesan. They've got fresh pasta and seafood, hand-cut steaks, all at Giuseppe's of Lexington. It's an Italian Lexington tradition for over a quarter of a century. John Clay from the Herald Leader will join us when we come right back. It is the Leach Report, and we are served up by Wild. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. 16 past the top of the hour, and we welcome John Clay into the program from the Lexington Herald Leader and KentuckySports.com. John, were you in Fayetteville on Saturday? I was not. Uh, well, we missed you. Uh, it was a good game. Crazy environment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I know. I, I hate to miss it because that's one of my favorite places to watch a game was at Bud Walton uh, Arena. But with the way UK is doing their interviews, well, yeah. SEC, I think it's dictated. Uh, no, we didn't make the trip. I, we are going to the SEC tournament, though, uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, they uh, they don't treat opposing teams real hospitable there, but uh, everybody else is very nice. They treat you very well. They're good good folks at Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they're uh, into it. Yes, they are, and that's good to see. I, I said uh, late in our broadcast on Saturday that this was a throwback to the 90s, Arkansas and Kentucky, yeah. 
when they would both be frequently ranked in the top ten. I think the first seven times they played after Arkansas joined the league, both teams were ranked, and five of those were they were both in the top ten. You know, with seventeen lead changes and a you know crazy arena, um, that it felt like a '90s version of Kentucky Arkansas. I can remember after one of those games that were up, I asked Rick Pitino about Arkansas being a rival for Kentucky now, and he said, oh, no, no, they're not a rival. We don't need another rival. We don't, <laughs> which to me, he said, yes, they were a rival. <laughs> That's the thing. In the, and, uh, yeah, there were great games, great teams and great games back then. In the SEC, Kentucky's rivalry has changed over the years. Tennessee's probably been the most consistent, but I know Mike Pratt would uh, tell you that you know, back when he was playing, Vandy was really good and a and a uh, big rival. And then LSU in the '80s when Dale Brown got it rolling, and Nolan Richardson in Arkansas in the '90s, and then uh, Florida with uh, Billy Donovan's been the one most recently. You can usually tell who the league puts Kentucky against in the last game, and uh, probably right. really ought to have been Auburn this year, but uh, uh, right. Right. seems to be the one that is heating up at, at the moment. Uh, what were your takeaways from Kentucky's performance out at Fayetteville? Well, I mean, I, th- I thought they were uh, done in by the slow start. I mean, I thought they were in catch-up mode after that. I thought they it, it took them a little, little bit of a transition with Severe and Ty Tack coming back. I mean, it's good to have them back, but they were used to playing a couple of games without them. Uh, roles changed, even though you know they weren't in the starting lineup. They came in pretty early. Um, you know, they fought get back in the game. The slow starts is a little bit concerning. I think this is four straight games now where they've trailed by double digits in the first half. Uh, we're able uh, Tennessee, uh, of course, lost, but then um, we're able to come back and beat uh, LSU, uh, Alabama and LSU after trailing by double digits in the first half. Um, you know, they fought back, took the lead in the second half, and then down the stretch, I, you know, they just did not execute very well uh, offensively. It was a nip-and-tuck game. And um, on the offensive end, uh, you know, they couldn't find a way to get Kellen Grady open to get shots. Uh, Cal said after the game, Kellen needs to work harder. You need to work harder than the other team is working to keep to stop you. Um, you know, I think that hurt him. And then I thought, I think Eric Musselman's a good coach. And I think his NBA background kind of came into play. He found ways to get, uh, I mean, Note had a big game. But down the stretch, he found ways to get uh, Jalen Williams isolated with Oscar Shibway guarding him and at the top of the key, and Williams, I think, took advantage of that, and uh, Kentucky had a hard time stopping him. So, I mean, I don't think – certainly not a bad loss. Arkansas is a really good team. I think one with 13 out of 14. Uh, but I think there are some things – and Cal kind of said this after the game, that they need to work on between now and, you know, we, we're in the last week of the regular season with the tournament before the NCAA tournament starts. It gave them some things to work on. I thought, uh, I said in the first segment, Oscar maybe got a little tired uh, in yeah. some of those matchups with uh, with Williams. And credit to Arkansas for, you know, recognizing that and taking advantage of it. It's just, you know, the way the game was going, you you couldn't take Oscar out, and yet uh, you know, 39 minutes was a season high. I thought maybe he uh, paid a little bit of a price uh, for how he played defensively in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, and if you remember a couple of games ago, I think it was Cal said, uh, mentioned about that, uh, Oscar was letting guys drive around him. He said he needed to take more, uh, I think it was a Tennessee game. He needed to take more pride in his defense. And, uh, you know, I think it, you know, and that's a tough matchup for him. Williams is a good mm-hmm. player. He's a crafty player. You know, he's a good passer. So you can't totally play him, you know, for the drive because he's a good chance he may pass off and get a bucket off of that. So, you know, I, like I said, I don't think it was a bad loss. Um, but I do think that, it, you know, there's some things, especially their late game execution. I'm, I'm guessing that's something Cal's going to be focusing on here 
um, you know, here, here in the next uh, few practices. A good point, because they have uh, not been in a lot of games. They've been in games right. where they had to execute down the stretch, but they end up, you know, it's uh, they win by, you know, six, seven, eight, ten. This was, they've had two games where the it was either a one-possession final score, and that was this one, or it went to overtime, the Mississippi State game. And those are the only two. And, you know, some of his teams have had a bunch of those. Uh, they even had they haven't had a lot of two possession final scores, so you do need a little experience in that situation. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I think that's a good point. Uh, they haven't had you know early on they were beating <laughs> beating teams so easily. Uh, you know that we were making a thing about you know when's the last time you know a team has won by du- this many games by double digits, and uh, so yeah, I think it does help to help to get that experience, and I think you know. Uh, like I said, you had Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington coming back. I think they were obviously rusty. I still don't think Ty Ty looks like the Ty Ty we've seen during the year and early in the year. My only concern there is, you know, sometimes those, uh, you know, we've seen it, those ankle problems kind of nag them throughout the year. You give them some rest, they come back, they're okay, then they kind of tweak it again. Uh, I hope that's not the case with Ty Ty, but I didn't think he looked, you know, like himself. I think it looked so like Severe was rusty early. Then he kind of shook off the rust and played more like the Severe we're used to seeing. Um, they just need to be healthy. You know, Cal said after the game, we have a good team, we have a good roster, but we need everybody playing well. We need to be healthy and everybody playing well. And I think if they're healthy and everybody's playing well, I think this team can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but that, you know, but the health is a concern, and we'll see what happens. We're talking with John Clay from the Lexington Herald Leader and KentuckySports.com on Twitter. It's at John Clay IV, and we'll continue after this timeout on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com now back to the show john clay is with us from the lexington herald leader and kentuckysports.com also listen to the john clay podcast on all the platforms where you find fine podcasts it's part of my uh, pregame routine before each game good scouting report uh, on the opponent from the other side that uh, you get featured there with John. Um, this was a a game where um, you were, go back to the Ty Ty Washington point you were making. Uh, you get uh, those two guys back, and it's going to take a little while to shake off the rust. But I, I think your point about Ty Ty is a good one. If going into the Auburn game when he rolled that ankle down there, Kentucky, I think he was shooting forty percent on threes and about fifty four percent on twos. If we can get that version of Ty Ty Washington back for Kentucky, then that's where Kentucky is is at its best and a true title contender, I think. Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, the other thing, too, with Ty Ty, with Severe and Ty Ty in the backcourt at the same time, you had two really good ball handlers. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ty Ty's also a very good assist person, as we saw, you know, that game where Severe missed and Ty Ty had 17. And set a school record, but, it, you know, even with uh, Severe's really good assist numbers, when you look at Severe, He's not too far behind. I mean, it seemed like every game he was getting three, four, five assists. He was shooting the ball well. You know, I said early in the year, the thing that really impressed me about Ty Ty is he's very mature for a freshman. He didn't force things. He let the game come to him. Um, and Cal has said this. I mean, he's one of the guys on the team who can create his own shot. 
And, you know, that becomes important. And that all those things are going to be important. I mean, what do we say going into the tournament every year? It's, you know, guard play is so important. You know, you look for teams that have good guards, that have good ball handlers. And, um, you know, it, they need to get, you know, we need to get tie tie back to that form. Uh, you just hope, hope that that ankle is not going to continue to be, you know, a, an issue. Uh, because you're exactly right. If he's back and he's healthy, this is a really good team. They, Kentucky generally, uh, you know, really comes out roaring in the SEC tournament and into the postseason. And uh, I always think a, a reason why is just the the way this the, the the schedule unfolds. Kentucky from they'll play tomorrow night against Ole Miss. So from March second until they play their first SEC tournament game, uh, unfortunately, likely on late Friday night in uh, Tampa, that'll be almost ten full days of uh, a break between uh, where you have only one game in in, uh, in about 10 days. And I think that will be very good for this team to get those fresh minds and fresh legs that Calipari talks about. Yeah, no, that's right. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it, but that, that's true. Uh, give them a lot of practice time. Uh, you know, Cal says he likes to shorten practices at the end of the year. I think especially when he's got a team that's more of a veteran team. He talked about the other day that when he had those really young teams, he had to go longer than he really wanted to, but he needed to because he, they needed that teaching and instruction. Go a little shorter with his guys. But, yeah, I think it make them, then they can focus in on things that, like we talked about, you know, late game execution, getting off to better starts, stuff like that. They can really concentrate on practice. So, that yeah, I agree that, the, you know, that should help them. I mean, Cal, you know, he says it all the time. I mean, he wants them to play their best basketball in March. That's what he. Uh, that's the way he structures everything. That's the way he uh, points towards. And um, you know, I don't think it's any different with this team. But I, no, that's a very good point. I think uh, that practice time will do them good. John Clay, you can uh, read him at KentuckySports.com and in the Lexington Herald Leader, and again the uh, the John Clay podcast, and then at John Clay IV on Twitter. Any place else you show up? <laughs> No, that's it. That's these it. I appreciate days. the kind words about the podcast. Thanks. I no, appreciate that. No, it's it's good. I enjoy it because you always have somebody from the other side, a, a right. writer, a media person that uh, gives you a good uh, bit of insight into the opponent for each game. So that's uh, it's good stuff. Thank you, John. Thank you, Tom. Uh, we're going to uh, come up on our bottom of the hour break here, and then Kyle Tucker from The Athletic will join us. Uh, one thing I saw yesterday, this was off Twitter from John Hale of The Courier, that uh, Vandy had moved into the top 75 of the net, which gave Kentucky, at least at the moment, another quad one win because of the win that they got in Nashville. So wins against top 75 opponents on the road uh, uh, qualify for quad one status. So. They got that working for them. We'll be right back with Tom Tucker. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops all across the bluegrass. Tom Leach here, joined by Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Uh, that was a crazy Saturday. Uh, Kentucky was one of the top six teams that lost, and then Texas Tech you had into the mix. So seven of the top ten lost on the same day, including the, the top six. And so it was, for I guess any of them could say this, but if you're looking at it from the Kentucky standpoint, boy, it was a missed opportunity. I, I don't know that they can get to the one seed line now, 
but uh, I think they they very well could have had they been able to win that one on Saturday. Yeah, they might be number one today. Uh, you know, yeah. if they if you if you win a tough you know road game against a ranked team while everybody else loses, number eight Villanova did not play on the weekend but lost its most recent game. So eight of the top ten <laughs> lost all of those games by the by the way on the road. Uh, and that's one thing I would point out uh, to really anyone. What what Saturday showed us and what the, the overall season has shown us, I'm not sure home court has ever been more valuable. And maybe it's just that we went a year without anybody in the stands, and now it's back. And and uh, I don't I don't know, but um, you know the SEC, the top four teams in the SEC are 63 and one at home, and none of them have beaten each other on their on on the road. Uh, the one team that's won on the road against those top four teams, uh, obviously, it would be Vanderbilt, uh, one at Arkansas, but. 63 and 1 home record for your top four teams in your league means it's really hard to win on the road. And Kentucky almost did. Yeah, and as Cal pointed out, Kentucky had to play the other uh, top three in the league away from home. This was the only team that had to do that. I'm, I'm guessing he'll point that out on the radio show tonight. Yeah, you might say it a few more times between now and, <laughs> and next season. In <laughs> uh, Arkansas, conversely, they go to Tennessee Saturday, but they got Auburn. Arcan, uh, they got Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee all at their place, which is a you know three to one in their favor, home and road, and so that is a uh, a tremendous uh, advantage. So Kentucky, it looks like is I think it looks like they're probably very likely to be the three seed in the SEC tournament, right? Because uh, you know even if they win out, Arkansas and Tennessee play each other, so one of them will be knocked into the four slot if Kentucky you know takes care of their business this week, but. Uh, I would think Tennessee will probably win at home. And so, you know, if you end up tied with Tennessee, they get the tiebreaker because they beat Auburn, which they got at their place. And if Arkansas goes in there and, and wins, then uh, I guess the, the one scenario that you could hold out for if you're a Kentucky fan is LSU to go in and upset Arkansas in Fayetteville and then the Hogs to upset Tennessee in Knoxville. But given that the fact that the top four are 64-1, and one, as you just pointed out, on their home courts this season collectively – how likely is it for uh, two road losses here in the last week, or two home losses in the last week? Yeah, it, it seems seems very, very, uh, very unlikely at this point, and it doesn't make a whole lot of difference, right? I mean, it's just times what, what times your game <laughs> between the two and the three seed in the SEC. You don't want to be the four if you can avoid it, I guess, because then you've got to play uh, Auburn uh, in the semifinals, um, but. Uh, you know, I don't think it makes a, a much difference at all. And I thought Cal, you know, made made the appropriate point after the game that you know we're not playing for seeding or or an SEC championship. You know, we're playing for something bigger than that. You know, I think he his whole objective right now is just get this team in one piece to the other tournament. <laughs> I, I I don't think he'd even mind losing the first game of the SEC tournament just to be done with it to guarantee you weren't going to get anybody else hurt and have some time off to, to regroup. Because I, I really do think I've gotten the feeling for several weeks now that Cal thinks this is a team that can go win the big tournament, and, and he wants to get them there uh, whole and healthy and, and have them all be together. They haven't been, you know, talk about this team being together. Saturday was, well, I think, the 13th time out of, what, 29 games uh, that they've had. They've all, you know, he's, Cal's had his team be together as every single uh, available guy, you know, not marred by injury or, or illness or whatever. That's uh, pretty remarkable. And, and I think even though they lost, it was a good step towards that goal of kind of having everybody ready 
for the big tournament. You know, as far as the seeding, what you were talking about, if if you could do this, obviously you can't. But you know, you, you, on sports talk shows, we we play these kinds of games, the what ifs and hypotheticals. If I if I was Cal and I could call up Musselman and Rick Barnes and say, you know, guys, you guys take the two and three seed. We'll take the four, and get the extra rest. And I don't. I, I'm at this point. If this team is is uh, intact and and somewhere close to a hundred percent, I don't care who they play. Um, and I think uh, a little fatigue caught up to them. I think in this game, Oscar within the game of playing thirty nine minutes. After playing 38 minutes in a 9 o'clock Wednesday game, I think battling all the guys he has to battle, I think he got a little tired late. And then, uh, you know, Mintz and Grady didn't have a good game Saturday. And they had played a ton of minutes in the last two in different roles where you have a, you know, have to have a more intense focus on, you know, your what you're doing. And uh, all of that takes a little bit of a toll. Yeah, I, I mean, especially in Grady's case, I think people were really – you know, frustrated that he only had one shot until the final two and a half minutes. You know, and Cal said he stood around too much, and you know, fans will say, "Well, you got to figure out something, Cal." And I think the, I think I think all of it's true. Like Cal, if there's a game where where Kellen Grady's gotten deep into the second half with a one shot attempt, I think I think Cal's got to do something <laughs> to make sure that he gets a couple more open looks because he's too valuable, and they got a guy on the other side going nuts on you. Uh, but I also think Kellen has got to be just scorched at this point over the previous 10 games he put he averaged 39 minutes uh he, he was he was playing too heavy a load even even before those guys got hurt and then all of a sudden he's playing that same minutes load but but with way more uh energy and responsibility exerted uh trying to be the primary ball handler so you know i don't i don't think there's too much panic worthy there i do think it's good those guys finally came back because i think kellen grady needs to have a couple games going into the postseason where he has a, a, a much lighter load. Um, I mean, I might even rest him, honestly. He's, he's, you call the guy granddad and then you play him 39 minutes a game, he probably needs a break. Um, but, um, you know, and Ty-Ty and, and, and Severe were, were bad, I would say, for most of the first half in that game, definitely rusty. But then they played better down the stretch. And so, uh, I, I – Again, to me, it just felt like Arkansas, if you win it, that's a huge, you know, you've really stolen a great win. Uh, but they played close. Uh, no shame in losing by two to that team on the road. And and by the end of it, you felt like, okay, everybody got out of there. Okay, it looked like. Didn't like look like Ty Ty or, or uh, Severe were dinged up any more than they had been. And now maybe you've started the road to reintegrating those guys. And, and you know, they can all be together and go make a run at this thing. Uh, I was saying to John Clay in the previous segment that a key stat for Kentucky, I think, is going to be that they only have one game from this coming Wednesday to the following Friday night. So it's almost uh, close to 10 days with, where they have one game. That will be uh, a uh, a welcome stat for this team. Absolutely. And, like, again, to, to go back to my point about whether or not Cal really wants them to go try to win the SEC tournament, I mean – I can't think of a thing that this team needs less than to play three games in three days, honestly, <laughs> right now, given what they've kind of where, where they are physically. But we'll see. You know, I, and Cal has said before he's got got a disdain for the conference tournament because it doesn't really help him towards the the NCAA tournament. He probably feels even more like that now. But then Kentucky always gets there, and they got a bunch of fans there, and 
you know, more times than not, uh, when Cal's the coach, they're playing on Sunday uh, in the SEC tournament. So we'll see if they can pull that off again. But I do think having at least having a chance to rest up before that happens is a pretty big deal. And, you know, in the tournament you can, you know, play Bryce some more and Collins some more and Ware some more than you typically do. And if you lose, it's no big deal. Yeah, no, that's a great point, too. I mean, maybe that maybe that is the way you approach it. You try to win your first game. You know, you just go all out to win that Friday game. And then once you get past that one, you know, use it as a game to see if you can get, get Bryce and Damian rolling and, and, and Lance Ware. That would, you know, uh, that's that's actually a pretty probably a great idea, and, and I would, wouldn't shock me at all if that's how Cal approaches that thing. Talk with Kyle Tucker from theAthletic.com. We'll take a break and uh, come back and continue the discussion. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. At 13 away from the top of the hour here in the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. We're chatting with Kyle Tucker from theAthletic.com. Let me detour from basketball for a moment and talk about uh, Mark Stoops' latest hire. He found his new offensive coordinator, uh, again, going to the NFL ranks. And uh, this looks like it should be a, a pretty smooth transition, I would think. Yeah, everything I gather is that, that the folks over there feel like that was a, a slam dunk hire. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be provide some really good continuity. It's going to be a, a very similar offense. I asked somebody over there, you know, how how similar, how easy will it be to, you know, for the guys and the, the players in the offense who uh, were accustomed to Liam Cohen's offense to pick up this uh, new one, and it was the answer was five minutes because it's wow. very similar. Even the language is going to be very similar. And so, um, you know, when you the, Mc, the McVay – uh, Shanahan trees uh, are are all those guys are very similar in their approach, and uh, so I think this is a great fit. Uh, it was always going to be the way that that Stoops went as long as he could. I mean, those guys are trying to trying to get an apple from that tree. Is uh, you, there's some competition? Everybody wants somebody from the McVeigh uh, Shanahan tree right now. That's that offense is kind of the it uh, attack at the moment, but. Uh, two, I think this guy is, is going to be very good in helping Will Levis take another step. You know, he's a noted quarterback developer. Um, you know, people make, uh, jokes about Jimmy G, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's been respected as a guy who, uh, who teaches quarterbacks, you know, as well as anyone for a while now in that league. So, um, I, I really do think it's smart and, and interesting that Stoops has gone in the coordinator route. He's now gone with both guys. Um, with NFL extensive NFL backgrounds, um, you know when you're trying to recruit players who want to play in that league, having guys who are respected NFL uh, coaches uh, come in and and be the faces of the offense and the defense, I think is, has been huge for them, and and I think their development uh, also speaks to that. You know, Brad White developed has developed some guys that even some of the not blue chip recruits uh, into quality NFL players, and I think the hope is that that uh, their new offensive coordinator will do the same thing. Yeah, between what they're doing in the area you talked about and just the, the whole culture that Stoops has created there, it, it is tending to, to feed its own success even when guys come and go, players and coaches. Yeah, I mean, that's like that, that's part of the, the magic of what Saban does at Alabama, right? He, 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 you, you would think, like, 
you know, you say, well, when all these guys leave, how do you, you know, uh, um, maintain success? And it's like Nick Saban loses his whole staff every couple of years. <laughs> That's a popular staff to pluck from as well, uh, and they just keep it rolling. He's He's got a culture. He's also good at identifying who the next person is. Um, you know, and I think too, you got to say it, it's very, very encouraging when uh, every year people are trying to take your staff. Uh, that says you've hired well. That says that those guys have have gotten people's attention. The fact that you know somebody wants to take Vince all the time, obviously for the recruiting that you know Liam Cohen had already turned down a bunch of college jobs. I mean, Miami Hurricanes, no. New Orleans Saints, no. I mean, he he told some. He told some good people and good jobs no to stay, and I think the only one that was going to get him was the Rams, and, and Stoops knew that, and so there's no ill will, ill will there either. And they, I think Cohen handled that really well. But uh, you know, people have come after Brad White. You know, you lose your offensive line coach to Alabama, that's a whole other drama. But but at the end of the at the end of the day, that means you've hired really well, and and I think that Stoops has done that pretty consistently. I, I, he's gotten to the point now where I feel inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt when he hires somebody, even if I don't know much about the guy, because he's done so well putting together staffs. Talk with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com, and if you go to the Kentucky basketball page at The Athletic, um, two stories back, I think, from Kyle, is uh, you caught up to, I think it was Bryce Hopkins' dad after the big breakout performance against LSU, and um, Hopkins didn't uh, contribute much on Saturday, but he is a guy. Hopefully, off that performance against LSU, that I think could give them give, could give them uh, is the guy most likely. I think off the bench to give them something meaningful in a in a key game in March. Yeah, I think Lance is in that category too. But but um, you know, you don't have to have those guys be there game to game. You just have to know that they can if they have to. Right, I think is the is the situation in March. Can they be Marcus Lee? Can they be Dominique Hawkins? Who, you know, people. That's one. It's easy to forget, but Dominique Hawkins as a freshman, he barely played, and then they get to the tournament in three straight games. He he's asked off the bench to defend the best uh, scorer on the other team. I think it was, I think it was Louisville, Michigan, Wisconsin in a row. I, mm-hmm. I think I'm right. It was three consecutive games he played. You know. 12 or 14 minutes and mostly on defense and his guy, he basically a lot. Yeah, it was because it was Russ Smith and then what's Spike Albrick. I can't remember. Nah, <laughs> who, I who know who you're talking were. about. I can't think of the guy's uh, name. Not Spike, uh, the other guy. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll get oh, it gosh. here in a second. Stout, Nick uh, Stauskas. Yes. Uh, Nick Stauskas and, and then somebody on Wisconsin. But he, he uh, you know, can, can he be, can you, can it be that, you know, that guy? Can he be Marcus Lee who in the Elite Eight against Michigan? You know, Willie gets hurt and he comes in. It's all all put back dunks and blocks for you know 15 minutes off the bench, and so you know I think in Collins and and now in in Hopkins, um, you know you've got guys who I think in a given matchup in a specific moment, it, you know in the right situation they could come off and and do that for you. And I think that was real encouraging for them to add add Bryce to that mix. And and yeah, it was cool to talk to his dad who who has moved to Lexington for the season to kind of keep him encouraged and. Said so they pray together before every game, and you know, they knew there was an opportunity before that one, you know, because of who was missing, and and said everything we prayed for before that game that he, you know, that he would get his opportunity and and make the most of it came true, and so they were having a party in the stands. Uh, he and a bunch of the other parents and family members were really celebrating because you know this is a team that 
not only the players, but I think the families are all kind of rooting for each other. They know they're a deep team. They know that there's a bunch of parents who know their sons are on the end of the bench and kind of having to wait their turn, especially the freshmen this year. Um, but they're all happy for each other when it when it happens, and so that was a, a cool scene. Yeah, and sometimes you know you, you do everything, I guess, as a coach you can to create that kind of environment, and even if it includes the families. Sometimes it just kind of happens organically is a little bit of that element to it too but it certainly seems to be in play for this Kentucky team yeah I think it I think it matters like the kind of personalities you have on the team and the kind of families you've recruited right in the in the first mm-hmm. place but uh you know when they are all happy for each other the players you know and, and when they understand I, I think every one of those players at this point has to look around the locker room and go like okay that guy's playing great what am I going to do about you know what am I going to say about it um but but Cal has 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 kept all year, even when, like, with the whole, you know, how about Lance thing, all year, even when we can't see any evidence that there's a reason to, to say it or talk about these guys, he's kept talking about all those guys, and now I'm going to need them. And, and you, know, you know he said that to them personally as well and to the team, and he hammers that message because he does know that. Like, he he, he knows that in the course of a – where you got to win six games in three weekends – to win the championship, you're going to have a moment where somebody's hurt or somebody's in foul trouble or somebody's just playing terribly. And, and some guy that's barely played for you is going to be in a moment that, that is bigger than he ever imagined. And will he be mentally prepared for it? I think he tries to at least do all he can through the year to, to get him ready. Yeah. It's, that's the, the thing is uh, Clay writes in, do you really think Allen Collins and Hopkins will play significant minutes? No, they, they won't, but they might in one game that will get you right. onto the next game. And that's what it's all about is getting them, keeping them in the, getting and keeping them in the, the right frame of mind to where they can uh, come in and, and help you like a Marcus Lee did at that uh, moment when he was needed. Kyle, thank you much. Thank you. You can read them at theathletic.com. And if you aren't a subscriber, you should be, especially with the tournaments coming up. There's always a lot of great content on the road to the Final Four. We'll be right back to close out this edition of the League Report. Bella Mushroom, slice of Wildcat history. This day, 1947, at the SEC tournament in Louisville, Kentucky beat Auburn 84-18. to Wawa Jones led Kentucky with 18 points. It would be the biggest margin of victory in an SEC tournament game for Kentucky until 1993, when the Cats beat Tennessee 101-40. to Birthdays today. Tayshawn Prince celebrates a birthday. Marcus Teague of the 2012 Champs. Happy birthday to him. And... Uh, Former Wildcat and a legend on Rupp's runs, Tommy Cron was born on this day. Congrats to the Trancy women's basketball team, 24-0, and headed to the NCAA Division Thanks III championship tournament. To the Leech See you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time.